series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B. Hello and welcome to the Tenth Supper podcast. I am Hilary Rand, consulting editor of Supper magazine, and today I am delighted to welcome Eric Neeson and Johan Bengsten from Pater Noster as my guests. A new hotel, a home on the horizon, as they call it, has been created on Sweden's remote Ahamneskar Island, which is home to the famous Pater Noster Lighthouse and has open sea views. So we're going to talk about um, the project itself and, uh, of course, its its culinary ethos and everything it is uh, teaching its guests. So first, Eric, um, uh, over to you. Uh, give us a bit of background um, on 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 the project and and what it uh, how it came about and and what can the guests ex- expect uh, coming there yeah it's um i think it stems from uh, five people's love for the sea which i think is a good start in a way for to, when when there is an creation of an emo- emotional uh, experience but uh, um it's uh, outside gothenburg or outside marstrand the city of marstrand that's half an hour north of gothenburg uh, and then it's like uh, 50 uh, 30 minutes straight out with a boat so it's a an, an um, a lighthouse island uh, that was uh, that opened 1868 when uh, it was kerosene driven. So it was needed to be maint- maintained and managed and run by three people. And it, these three people were allowed to uh, entitled by law to bring their families and kids and whatever. So uh, the, the the buildings on the um, island had to host three families that's why they are fairly big so um so that's where we are why we are able to have nine guest rooms uh and um i had been in love with that that area and that island for a long time and uh, our business partner was like in, very interesting in sailing where some all of them were like in love with the area and the lease were up for grab it's uh, grabs it's the um, uh, National uh, Property Board of Sweden, which is taking care of more than 1,000 real estates that are extremely listed. It's the Royal Castle in Stockholm and the Fortress on Marstrand and things like this. Um, so they had tried to lease it out before, but uh, everybody failed. It's uh, for obvious reason a nine-room hotel in in next to a city is difficult, you know. <laughs> but um, they thought we had a had a good setup. So um, for two years ago, before the summer, two years ago, we started in the middle of the pandemic and um, utilized the different people's skills. We had Miria, who is the lady on the island, and she quit her job and like went in hundred percent for this. So she had time and and the dedication. And we had Anders that's, uh, that had uh, passed with, uh, we had, he had the liquor license, which is a you know, big deal in, <laughs> in Sweden. Uh, and their the experience with restaurants and the Ulle, our business partner, and Carl and Frida, who is, um, they already had a charter company with rib boats, you know, the transportation is a big thing. And of course, myself with... Um, the hotel conceptualization and marketing and, you know, telling the world that this is a very beautiful place. <laughs> and and 
Talking about different skill sets, let me interrupt you there, Eric. Um, I want to bring in Johan here because obviously uh, any any experience in the hospitality space uh, nowadays, food and beverage and and how we um, uh, how we bring the culinary in um, is 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 really really important, and especially if we're dealing with a property of nine rooms. So, uh, Johan, tell us a little bit more about your background, how you came to the project, and and what's your role. Yeah. Hello. So. Uh... I am a chef by trade, but I'm also a marine biologist and uh, used to work as a commercial diver. Um, two years ago, Eric contacted me because me and my wife, we run a seaweed company. Uh, and Eric wanted to know more about seaweed and how to utilize the seaweed around the island. So I came out to the island and had a presentation about seaweed for some guests. And at the same time... Uh, I told them I was a chef and I had to help in the kitchen that evening. And after that, Eric thought it was a great deal. And he offered me a job. And so I quit my other job and I went to Amnesty and Tartanostro instead. No regrets about that. Excellent. So I want to know more about seaweed. And I'm sure that we could have a, a, a lengthy presentation because there's, I'm sure there's a lot of intricacies and, and information that people are not aware about. But if you would have to sort of summarize that, and I'm sure you do it for your guests as well, um, because partly what I understand you do at, at Pater Nostra is educate the guests about the oceans, the seas. But let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about, about seaweed and its qualities and, and how it can be used in food um, and, I guess, in, in uh, a lot of other things too, like treatments and etc. Yes, we try to give all the guests a great seaweed experience while they're here. So the guest comes in the morning, uh, they arrive, they normally get a cup of coffee and a seaweed cookie. That's like the first introduction to seaweed and people are quite often very surprised that seaweed can eat that and have a bite of the cookie. And they it is it. really good. <laughs> I had a few. <laughs> and then it continues into lunch. Sometimes they include seaweed in the lunch, but uh, not always. It depends on the season and what we cook. But always in the evening when the dinner comes, it starts with an amiss with a sample of five, four or five different seaweeds that we pick around the island. Some of them are picked in the right season, like in the spring, but some of them we can pick all year around. So sometimes you tell the guests before the dinner, now I'm just going to go out and grab some food for you what are you going to eat in 10 minutes and you go out and harvest it and sometimes the guest comes with you and they're very fascinated about it and when they can see that you that you can just pick it off the island and 10 minutes later it's on your plate they... this is why you one is our dream chef we couldn't dream it up actually but uh he comes in with a wetsuit you know uh into the living room and asking the ladies and the gentlemen that sitting there sipping on their cognacs if they would like to join them and pick some salad for the <laughs> for the lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just on the seaweed itself? Because um, obviously we 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 know something of it as a general public. Um, can you just go and pick anything, or you need to know, like with mushrooms, that you you just you have to know what you pick and when to pick them, or or can you eat any seaweed? You can eat any seaweed. There is no poisonous seaweed. However, there. Are maybe 10, 15 species that taste really well. And then the other ones, they don't taste that good. So you need to know which ones to pick, but uh, it's no problem to try. 
because there's no poisonous as I said. And and do they have seasonality? I I I, I presume they do. And and what's what is the season of the seaweed, if you would have to say it? Yeah, everything in the sea has seasonality, and I would say the the biggest season or the main season for seaweed is in the spring, when the new shoots comes from the seaweed, and then it's like a you want to pick the tips of the seaweed, which is nice and clean and fresh and and crispy and so. But there are some seaweeds that you can pick all year round, and some species that's actually better to pick in the winter. But the majority is in the spring. And so I do pick a lot in the spring and dry and preserve for later use throughout the year. But it's nice that you're able to pick all year round with some species. And Eric, you are a fisherman trapped in a in a designer's body. So, so I'm I'm sure that one of the one of the key draws to having this amazing island hotel was that you could you know live out your passion of 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 uh, of the seas and and fishing. So, tell me a bit about how that sort of comes together in Paternoster and 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 uh, how exciting it is to uh, to do that with guests as well. Uh, yeah, it, it it obviously rhymes extremely well with uh, a hotel like this, and um, uh, the the lobster season started now on Monday. So I'm going out tomorrow with some friends, uh, guests, uh, and checking the pots for the first time. And then uh, Johan and I talked about making sashimi, lobster sashimi for them. Um, if I get any. But uh, it's it's um, um, it's a real privilege, and uh, I, I think that the direction, the future of this little project is uh, almost like an central for education of, of uh, awareness of the seas. Which is when you you know, Yuan is a marine biologist, so he knows this by heart already. But um, it's. Um, you know, the nature on land is so visible and the nature under the ocean is so invisible. So it's so much, it's such a diff- different process to throw awareness. Um, but, you know, we, we make sure that, uh, try to make sure that all the guests that have been with us, they, they go home with more knowledge than they had when they went. It could be, you know, talking about uh, the seaweed being the food, food of the future, which I really, really believe in, um, in, I mean, in big scale. Uh, it could be uh, what kind of questions you should ask to the fishmonger when you buy, buy your crayfish, for example. And what are the questions? No, but uh, you, you really have to check that if they are trolled or uh, ca- catched in cage. It really, the, the trolling is, is terrible. It's like, is the equivalent? Oh, sorry. The equivalent on land would be to chop down and burn down the whole forest to catch one moose. You know, after you troll the bottom, uh, it takes like twenty years before the vegetation and the, the the life get back there to normal to how it was before you trolled it. So, so it's it's stupid. And then you also obviously kill the smaller ones that are not allowed mm-hmm. to. Be caught because they are too small. If you catch them in a cage, then you can just throw them back again. Um, and um, you know, getting more respect. Uh, we we have we have uh, both you and and I have uh, when it's lobster season. We we talk about the sex life of the lobster, and we talk about their their how special creatures they are. And uh, you, you just get gain more respect. You know. And would you say that? Um, 
what I, I guess when you when when you talk with guests, and now you've had uh, you've been open for remind me uh, how long? Two, two years plus one summer, you could say, or. Okay, and I'm presuming you have quite a good overview of, um, you know, what's the knowledge guests guests come with, and what's the knowledge they leave with. What what do your guests find most most surprising when you talk them um, through these things when you're out on the boat or when you're having dinner together? Because everything is very communal on the island, right? So what is what is something that is 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 new? What what surprises your guests most? I I think it's the uh, the combination because we we said from the beginning that. The concept that we want to give to the world is to reopen the home of the lighthouse master. Hence the payoff with the, the, the uh, um, uh, a home on the horizon, and uh, hence the interiors. It's um, we bought secondhand furniture in in the vicinity of the area, so so it could you know have been a likeliness that this piece of furniture was actually in a home at that time. Um, and we also we talk a lot about the history. We had several people visiting the island that used to live there. They were children of lighthouse people. We had even an 85 year old man that had been with us for a couple of times, and he worked as the last uh, as the assistant to the last lighthouse master when it was kerosene driven before it was electrified. Um, and uh, he. He um, taught us, you know, uh, how how hellish and wonderful it was back then, uh, how the manual labor. So I think it's a it's a like a one thing that struck me because I also uh, took the images, the photography of this project, and I've been taking uh, project uh, images of our project all since I can remember. And I know how important it is for for to reaching out, and uh, spe- specifically this place was like extremely easy to portray, because you could in one image you can capture the essential of the idea. But in this case, when you arrive, it's like ten thousand ten thousand times better. It's, you can't you can never describe it, and I. We we, ne- we never had a dissatisfied guest. They they because everything else you know it could be flaws in the service and it's my we have um, you know ex- a seasoned experienced people like you one but we have also a layer of uh, our my daughters is working there for example and with with it's you know more more or less self taught mm-hmm. but it 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 adds to the familiarity of the you know not not being a hotel actually being visiting the historic place of this this home of this lighthouse people um but I, I so i think the answer to the question is that it's um they are amazed by the details from the history details from the everything from the sex life of the lobster to uh, that seaweed can taste so good we had a British journalist there, and uh, you wanted the uh, the, um, the amis with the what do you call it in English? The, um, the green one. It's called the truffle. Yeah, it's called a grass kelp. It's a green seaweed. When you deep fry it, it tastes like a white truffle. It's wow. it's uh, incredible because you you pick it up and you fry it in oil for twenty seconds, no more, twenty seconds. Yeah, and then you, it gets crispy and it tastes like truffle. And this journalist from 
a big uh, newspaper in England. He had been like reviewing 500 hotels. He didn't believe us. He had to come into, now he said, no, this is truffle oil, you know, and he had to come into the kitchen and see the process again. And he was amazed. And I think it's amazing to be able to amaze a person that reviewed more than 500 hotels. No, for you know. sure, for sure. And, I mean, uh, you know, these hotels, how they, they they attract the star chefs around the world. And, you know, so uh, so I think it's always these small things, you know. We, we have a, a collaboration with Dux Beds, the really, really mm-hmm. fine beds. And we, we, we have their best quality beds here on the island. Uh, but nobody talks about that. They talk about the, the when they when they leave they 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 remember uh, this, maybe the story about the lighthouse the first lighthouse master that grew tomatoes in the lantern because it was so humid and uh, <laughs> hot in the winter and light and it, and surprised foreign captains uh, that came on a visit uh, with with uh, red tomatoes in the middle of the winter then. Are you continuing that? Are you growing tomatoes in the lighthouse, Johan? No, <laughs> we're planning to do it. But we do, do grow tomatoes in the garden. <laughs> now when it's uh, electrified and it's not so hot up, up in the lighthouse anymore. <laughs> sure. And Johan, tell me about what, what's a typical menu or is there a thing like a typical menu that you would offer your guests? Tell me some of the dishes that you make. What, what does the day look like in terms of food for the guests? So we've heard already about the seaweed cookies, which I am, by the way, dying now uh, to, to, to try, plus the, the, the truffle tasting uh, deep fried um, uh, seaweed as well. But, but tell me about a menu that you would create during the day. Like I can tell you about uh, yesterday's menu. Now the lobster season started. So yesterday we started off with a nice lobster bisque, some uh, fresh uh, shrimps, and we had some parsnip puree and dill oil. And so. And then after that, we served a fish. Yesterday was a lemon sole. I can't say I have like a standard menu because every guest is unique and you try to find out. We know we have a lot of email contact with all the guests before they arrive. So it's quite complicated to get out. So we know exactly what their preferences are and we try to uh, adjust the menu to, to the guests' uh, wishes and so. But yesterday we had a, a lemon sole and we made a sauce from Bargiul sauce which was based on artichokes and we had some nice uh, potatoes and uh, locally grown vegetables and we did I harvest some of the uh, beans, broad, broad beans from the garden, because in the the three families that used to live here, they had each their own uh, garden on the island. And we have had some landscape architects helping us to put them back into what we think they looked like in the in the old days, and we're trying to use it like that as much as possible. You know, because the whole experience on the island is like you want to you want to take part and and. Uh, try to realize how it was to live here 100 years ago and you have to live from what the nature can can give you so if you can serve vegetables from the garden and some things from the sea which is picked around here it gets more of the whole uh... two questions on that uh what what would they typically grow in these gardens it's just local vegetables like uh root vegetables or what what would grow there because i'm trying to you know i've seen the images of the island uh, and i'm just trying to conceptualize what would grow on that that piece of uh uh, land for sure uh, root vegetables we do grow we also grow a lot of brassica because it's uh, quite windy here and the brassica it's uh, quite uh, ideal for, for growing here. 
beans grow a lot, uh, peas. Uh, then we also grow uh, actually quite a lot of edible flowers that we can mm. use on the on the plates. And there is also some wild stuff growing on the island which we can pick. Wild vegetables. Beach kale is really, really good, for example. Yeah, and so I have yeah, a lot of it. That's, that grows wild. Yeah. Uh, you know, back in the days, it was actually an unwritten rule that every time there was a delivery to the island or, or of um, whatever, they also had to bring a bag of soil. You know, to, and then they also used seaweed so that rotted and became soil that is a good fertilizer. Mm. Um, but it's a thick crust in those gardens where they used to grow stuff. It's a big uh, uh, crust of, of, of soil. And um, they, they are uh, the, the blackberries is growing there. Really, they're thriving very well. And there are some uh, rhubarb plants, which are probably 100 years old. So there's a wow. lot of rhubarbs in season. Yeah. So. And that's a sturdy plant, right? That just keeps growing. You chop it exactly, down, it grows back. Exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 it's something I've always been fascinated by. I'm a big lover of, of rhubarb, also being from the north myself. And the second yeah. question was, was we, we talk, you know, uh, ocean uh, life, marine life, uh, a lot on the seafood side. Do you have guests who want meat? And what do you do in that case? Because uh, is, is that something that you then um, bring from the, from the mainland or you don't offer that? Um, how do you, what, what's your ethos on that? No, we do offer it but i mean on standard we serve fish and seafood and shellfish and so uh, however sometimes i wouldn't say there is a preference for meat but sometimes you have like a shellfish allergy and then of course we do offer meat and most of the time it's uh, local meat either uh, beef or sometimes uh, lamb it is a great area from the mainland, just in there, it's a lot of farms. It's a lot of ecological yeah. farms. With with uh, and we also all the fishermen that we work with, we know them personally. So, so you one can can uh, call and ask, you know, what what did you catch today? And so, but it, I think it's you, you need to be flexible on an island like this because you it's never sure exactly what you're going to get, you know. And tell me a bit about the, so we've talked about the food side. Let's talk about the, the beverage side. Are you doing something interesting with with uh, with the environment that you have for the drinks? Can you use uh, seaweed in, in, in drinks, for example? And, and what do you offer your guests uh, on that side? We do actually cooperate with, uh, I picked this grass kelp, the one you fried, and I sell to one distiller, and he makes a very nice seaweed gin from it. That we have on the island. Um, Excellent. Otherwise, you can mix in some seaweed in the ready drinks. But that's like, it's good. But I mean, we don't, it's the gin we have mainly with, with seaweed. But otherwise, we lo- use local deliveries. We have a, like the wines is produced in Gothenburg. Mm. Yeah, from a company called um, Wine Mechanics. They import the grapes from both. Uh, 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 Italy and France, and <clears throat> fermented in, in a really nice factory in, in Gothenburg. Oh, wow. Uh, and they have also uh, um, Anders, that's a partner in, in uh, like, in Paternoster. He's also a partner there, so he knows them well. well. And we have uh, a local brewery that created a beer specially for us that's only sold on our island, um, which is uh, tailor-made for uh, seafood, for uh, 
for crabs and lobster and uh, langoustines, you know. And the name of the beer is, of course, Paternost. And the, on the label, it's a picture of the lighthouse. Yeah. Wonderful. And um, one one last question, because I'm I'm conscious um, of of the time for our um, episode as well. Is is I, I, I'm sure we could do another whole um, talk about the the sustainability element because it's it's something you know. Finally, there's a big discussion about it. You know, carbon is probably going to be the, the biggest uh, topics uh, of uh, of uh, of debate in in, in the coming uh, in the coming years, uh, and something we really need to all be conscious of. And I understand the things that you are doing in in Paternoster is is really sort of educating the guests when it comes to the oceans and 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 the marine life. What is um, what is your um, ambition? I guess maybe that's a big question, and and I don't know if you have an answer to that. But uh, Eric, maybe on on uh, first on your side of you know where what would what would be the sort of next next vision for for Paternoster? what do you want it to to stand for in the next 10 years well um on the topic i actually had, got a call from the world ocean day you know the un uh, initiative and they wanted me to participate in their podcast because of they heard about the island and i e- immediately got a bit you know I got bad conscious because of all the rib boat transport with big engines and, you know. Um, and uh, then I talked to them and then I mentioned the educational part that we tried to, and she said that that's actually much better. But we had like, uh, it's a couple of Swedish brands that make electrical boats. Uh, X-Shore mm-hmm. is one and we had it uh, for a test this summer. It was with us for a, um, for a full week. It's a little bit problematic with charging because we... We don't have enough power on the island, um, and uh, but you know it's improving all the time. So we will definitely be the first one to jump on that wagon uh, when that happens. Um, and we have a discussion with the owner, which is the Swedish government, to to put because the, it's it's fragile. It happened a few times that the power breaks for like a couple of days because the, something happens with the cable and the water. So we told them for many reasons we would like solar panels and a, a wind turbine on the island, which, um, which you know, which is perfect. It's much more sun hours here than in Gothenburg um, because it's further out. Uh, and they are, uh, you know, it's a government, so they're a little bit slow there, but they're really positive uh, towards it. So um, I think we're, you know, going in the right direction there. Um, and uh, and still and I we are also collaborating with um, uh, the 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 University of Agriculture their aqua part which uh, uh, um, uh, I'm a part of the tuna fish the bluefin tuna marking project or or putting radio transmitters on it and also the research uh, gathering for the lobster fishing how 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 is the tribal lobsters doing here actually um, and we also try to the, that university has the international data bank of species uh, so so uh, you can derive easily derive statistics from it and we also try to give the good news to our guests the, for example the one story with the tuna the the bluefin tuna which is the as you know the most exclusive tuna and the most endangered tuna. They they were suddenly uh, disappeared in the fifties. It was like a big thing to going to Skagerrak and Kattegat, the uh, oceans here, to uh, to 
sport fish for bluefin. And then they disappeared, and now they started to come back again, which is a healthy sign in a way. And also the number of different whales that are uh, seen and observed here in, in, in our parts around the island is increasing almost every year. So something is happening on the positive side, you know. But normally when one species increases, there is because another species is decreasing. Um, but so I, I I feel that you know it, it's a possibility to create like a knowledge center here. Or um, but then again, we are a small, very very small company, so it's not easy to. It's I think it's important to try to um, hook arms with others, other organizations yeah. that are running this. But I think UN is doing a, a fabulous fabulous job. He uh, he has this magician show. He comes in with a <laughs> boiling hot water and seaweed and they change the colors in front of the eyes of the guests and people taste it and uh, they suddenly go home with uh, a lot of much more knowledge and you know there are some so many benefits with um, growing our basic food from the ocean compared to land yeah. because on land you need to fertilize it in the ocean you cannot fertilize it it wouldn't be any idea and the equivalent to the soil on land is the actual the, the water. Mm-hmm. So it's sucking its energy from the water and the sun. Um, and if you have a, if you commercially grow seaweed in 20 meters depth, you could potentially get uh, 20 times more food per square meter than you can do on land. So it's like, uh, and it's extremely nutritious, you know. You you, you told me the, you told me the story about uh, some kelp that you put into the food for the cows. Yes. Uh, just wow. just a, a small small percentage, like one percent additive into the food of the cows, and they their um, methane production will decrease with eighty percent. You know, they oh, are wow. farting methane and uh, and. Um, that's the that's the most dangerous hothouse gas. Mm, exactly, it's like 20, 20 times more efficient than uh, carbo carbo cell. And Johan, uh, p- parting words from you. What's what? What are you as a marine biologist? Obviously, there's you have you have a great sort of laboratory, I guess, around where 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 Paternoster is. Um, what are what are some of the things you're you're working on, and what is your hope the, to do more of um, on the island? Right now, it. As we said before, it's about educating the people and getting them to interest and, and willingness to try the seaweed because there's a lot of really nice seaweed around here. And I mean, most of the Swedish people have never tried seaweed before because we, there's no big tidal differences here in Sweden. So you don't really see what grows and what lives beneath the surface. And so if we can start by educate me about seaweed and they bring go home and we have the knowledge and the interest and, and they maybe start to buy more seaweed and they start to include that in their in their diet i think that's a great first step well excellent um thank you so much eric uh, and johan for for being on on this uh, supper podcast and telling telling our audience about uh paternoster and, and what what to expect from uh, from a culinary angle and from an educational angle because i think both uh, if both of these can come together um then i think it's 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 a winning winning combination uh thank you so much uh for for your time and and hopefully see you soon on the island yeah, we we we're expecting you to come now. Exactly. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B.